Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. We are beginning today a shift in our series, Summer Readings. I want to go into The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee, Chapter 7, The Eternal Purpose. And I want to read over the next five episodes excerpts from this chapter. I cannot wait to share this with you. Take a listen. Let it sink deep. And let us remember this is what the Father's heart desires. And let us be to Him and to our generation who He meant for us to be. Here we go, my friends. Enjoy. Chapter 7, The Eternal Purpose from the Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. Love you all. Hey, everybody. So into the next two sections we go of Chapter 7, The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee on the eternal purpose. This section, the grain of wheat. But how could God's only begotten Son become His first begotten? The method is explained in John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die, it abideth by itself alone. But if it die, it beareth much fruit. Who was that grain? It was the Lord Jesus. In the whole universe, God put his one grain of wheat into the ground, and it died. And in resurrection, the only begotten grain became the first begotten grain, and from the one grain there have sprung many grains. In respect of his divinity, the Lord Jesus remains uniquely the only begotten Son of God. Yet there is a sense in which, from the resurrection onward through all eternity, he is also the first begotten, and his life from that time is found in many brethren. For we who are born of the Spirit are made thereby partakers of the divine nature. Second Peter 1 Peter 1.4 Though not, mark you, as of ourselves, but only, as we shall see in a moment, independence upon God and by virtue of our being in Christ. We have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans eight fifteen and 16. It was by way of the incarnation and the cross that the Lord Jesus made this possible. Therein was the Father heart of God satisfied, for in the Son's obedience unto death the Father has secured his many sons. The first and the twentieth chapters of John are in this respect most precious. In the beginning of his gospel, John tells us that Jesus was the only begotten from the Father. At the end of his gospel, he tells us how, after he had died and risen again, Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, Go unto my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. John 20, verse 17. Hitherto in this gospel, the Lord had spoken often of the Father or of my Father. Now, in resurrection, he adds, and your father. It is the eldest son, the first begotten speaking. By his death and resurrection, many brethren have been brought into God's family. And so in the same verse, he uses this very name for them, calling them my brethren. 
By doing this, he affirms that he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Hebrews 2.11 The Choice That Confronted Adam God planted a great number of trees in the Garden of Eden, but in the midst of the garden, that is, in a place of special prominence, he planted two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam was created innocent. He had no knowledge of good and evil. Think of a grown man, say 30 years old, who has no sense of right or wrong, no power to differentiate between the two. Would you not say such a man was undeveloped? Well, that is exactly what Adam was, and God brings him into the garden and says to him, in effect, Now the garden is full of trees, full of fruits, and of the fruit of every tree you may eat freely. But in the very midst of the garden is one tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You must not eat of that, for in the day that you do, so you will surely die. But remember, the name of the other tree close by is life. What then is the meaning of these two trees? Adam was, so to speak, created morally neutral, neither sinful nor holy, but innocent, and God put those two trees there so that he might exercise free choice. He could choose the tree of life, or he could choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now the knowledge of good and evil, though forbidden to Adam, is not wrong in itself, Without it, however, Adam is a sense limited in that he cannot decide for himself on moral issues. Judgment of right and wrong resides not in him, but in God. And Adam's only course when faced with any question is to refer it to Jehovah God. Thus you have a life in the garden which is totally dependent on God. These two trees then typify two deep principles. They represent two plans of life, the divine and the human. The tree of life is God himself, for God is life. He is the highest form of life, and he is also the source and goal of life. And the fruit, what is that? It is our Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot eat the tree, but you can eat the fruit. No one is able to receive God as God, but we can receive the Lord Jesus. The fruit is the edible part, the receivable part of the tree. So, May I say it reverently, the Lord Jesus is really God in a receivable form. God in Christ we can receive. If Adam should take of the tree of life, he would partake of the life of God. Thus he would become a son of God, in the sense of having in him a life that derived from God. There you would have God's life in union with man, a race of men having the life of God in them and living in constant dependence upon God for that life. But if instead Adam should turn the other way and take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then he would develop his own manhood along natural lines apart from God. As a self-sufficient being, he would possess in himself the power to form independent judgment, but he would have no life from God. So this was the alternative that lay before him. Choosing the way of the Spirit, the way of obedience, he could become a son of God, living in dependence upon God for his life, or taking the natural course, he could put the finishing touch to himself, as it were, by becoming a self-dependent being, judging and acting apart from God. The history of humanity is the outcome of the choice he made. Wow, is it. (laughs) 
Think on these things, my friends. See you soon. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.